special ability of music. There's the art that, that forms an expression that is so much more completely effective than logic only. And I began to think of, to myself, isn't our whole society in a way becoming autistic? I mean, what's happening in this society? What does sin do? Sin cuts us off not only from the Father, but from each other. And this society is rapidly growing into a congregant of individuals. We're literally being cut off from one another. And if we are to engage one another, what are we going to have to use? It's not just logic. It's going to be the arts. It's going to be those forms of communication that are so important that God himself used. Now, here's the danger. There's always a danger. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Here's the danger. God himself knew that we were a sensate or sensual people. And that very quickly, we would use whatever art that was made available, we would, use, we would start to concentrate, concentrate on the art itself. And we would begin to worship the art itself. Look at what it says. Starting with verse 3, Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me, <coughs> and you shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven or above or on the earth, beneath or in the water under the earth, and you shall not worship or serve them. Now, I want you to know <coughs> that when God commanded this order, he, does, he didn't mean never make anything that resembles uh, 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 something that, that uh, is not on the earth. When he ordered the making of the ark, remember what he he ordered the, uh, the seraphim to be made, the symbols of the seraphim to be made for the seat of the ark. And so even there, he was ordering something of a heavenly realm. But what he's saying is, don't worship it. Don't worship it. Don't transfer your loyalty to it. It says, you shall not worship or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, is a, am a jealous God. And so here is the danger of this art, that we would just get engrossed with the art itself. That's exactly what happened to the Catholic Church. Catholic Church started out very good trying to just make some images to remind people of how good and gracious God was. And then superstition took over. And people began to worship the, 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 the forms themselves. The church for years was the largest producer of art in the world. It, the church for years was the, was the main patron and, and, and producer of, it was the center of the artistic world. But then it became encaptured by the art itself. And rather than using art to communicate the gospel, it thought art was the gospel. And so when the Protestants uh, uh, dropped out of the church and began with the Reformation, the Protestants went to the other extreme. And they said, we will only use the word. We will only go down logic, reason, and we will not engage in any, any of that art anymore because there's such a danger. Well, folks, that's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. That is just goofy. And so what we've done is we've abdicated the arts to the other side. You want to, you want to know where there's junk on TV? It's because Christians have not taken the responsibility to produce what is godly and edifying and good and wholesome. It's our fault. It's not their fault. They're just doing what's in their nature. And so, therefore, the church needs to re-engage the arts, just like God has always done, just like Jesus did. You, 
Do you think it's silly when I tell stories? Let me show you something. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. This whole chapter is parables. And Jesus did this for left-brained people. He did it because stories engage a side of us and a, and a part of us that nothing else can engage. It says in verse 10, And the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered, and, and, and basically the answer was, Look, this divides people. If you are so hard-hearted, I don't know how you feel when I say, Now let me tell you a story. Probably 95% of you go, Oh, good, a story. I like stories. 5% of you may be in such a vile mood that morning that you say, oh, great. Now he's going to entertain us. I want, you, I want you to check out your heart when you do that. Because, because Jesus said, you get divided right here. You get divided. If you got such a stench, such a lousy attitude that you can't listen to a story, you know what? You're in trouble. Because to some, it has been given. A story um, illustrates, it engages, it incites. And so therefore, there's a power in these parables. It says in verse 34, And all these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parable, and he did not speak to them without a parable. Now, let's consider just for a moment the stages of art. And then I want to challenge you with something. There, I just came up with just five different kinds of art, just off the top of my head, and, and, and it's on, your, on the sermon outlines, and, and uh, some of you could do much better at this, but, but just for the sake of, of communication. There's base art. Base art simply draws attention to itself and doesn't really allow you to go beyond. That is the problem, by the way, with pornography. Pornography, uh, and, and by the way, you men who have, and I assume it's most, mostly men, maybe some women too, but you men who have an addiction to pornography, let me tell you what that does to you. That in, in, imprisons you in something that is a dead end and will eventually take away your ability for genuine intimacy. It is an autism in itself. Why? Because base art simply gets you to pay attention to it and react to it and then dispense with it and go on alone. That's what base art does, all forms of base art. That's why some, some of the silliness that you see on television, you just, you just do it and you say, well, I, I dispense with that and, and, I, and I get up. But you walk on alone because, because you've been all alone in that effort. Good art is just the opposite. Good art engages you to think beyond itself. Good art would be like, uh, uh, just as a, for a sake of illustration, say a groom uh, is standing down here watching his bride come down the aisle. Now, now, base art would say, the groom stands there and says, hmm, nice dress. And that's all he thinks. Good art would say, forget the dress. Here comes my wife. Here comes my bride. I can't, oh, this is going to be so great. That's what good art does. Good art gets you to think beyond that. Great art, great art engages you to concentrate on the transcendent meanings, the important things of life. 
How many of you remember the first time you read or watched The Grapes of Wrath? And you could not get the poor out of your heart. You had such, you had such a sensitivity for the poor. How many of you remember the first time you read or watched Romeo and Juliet? And you were, you were taught to concentrate on the sweet, surrender, sacrificial cost of true romance. Oh, yes! How many, how many of you remember the first time you read or watched uh, Macbeth? And you were made to contemplate the consequences of ambition and the guilt of, of those of, of ambition gone wild. How many of you remember Lady Macbeth in her dream, trying to get the blood off her hand out, damn spot, and it wouldn't come out. The only solution to that spot is Jesus Christ. But many of us have been engaged in that guilt that wouldn't go away. And those kinds of plays, how many in, in Othello have been taught to concentrate on the price of jealousy and been warned about the consequences of jealousy? You see, that's what great art does. God art, though, takes it one step further, takes you to the Father himself. And it can be a very simple thing, uh, touched by an angel. I mean, that's stupid theology. But you know what? After you get done watching that program, you just want to get a little closer to the Father, don't you? I mean, uh, uh, even though it's bad theology, even though it kind of says, well, good people, we'll all get there, you know. And everybody knows, every, good, every, every thinking Christian knows, no, it takes the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It takes placing your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what gets you to heaven, not your goodness. Nobody's good enough to get there. But even with that program, there's a sense of, I want to get closer to God. That's God art. And then there's Christian art that teaches you about the nature of what God did for your life. Today we're going to baptize people. I'm going to be in a cold pool for a long time, 20-some people. And you know what? I'm going to be standing there thinking, why in the world? What's this? God gave us art forms to demonstrate his nature and what he had done for us. Communion, baptism. The water doesn't do anything except it literally teaches us bodily to go through our death and resurrection and what is possible in Jesus Christ. That's Christian art. It reminds us of the goodness of God and our personal benefit from that goodness. Same thing with communion. God speaks to us in art. Now let me challenge you with two things, then I'm going to quit. First of all, I want to challenge you to be an artist. You know what? I, I'm not asking you to draw pictures. I'm not asking you to sing. That would be torture for all of us, some of you, if you, if you did that. It would be torture for you if I started singing. But, but here's what I'm asking you to do. Consider how you can communicate beyond your words. The Bible says repeatedly, for we did not come to you in word only. That the gospel is not just the written word. You, it says... Uh, um, in uh, Corinthians or uh, Thessalonians, you are our letter. You are, the you are the result. So consider this. How can I communicate beyond mere words and logic? That will make me an artist like God. God communicated through nature. God communicated ultimately through His Son. 
And that was the ultimate art form. How can my body become communication? Second, when Northland seeks to engage the art and, and re-engage the arts for the purposes of, of uh, communicating the gospel, please don't sit there and say, this is mere fluff. Please be engaged yourself and, and realize the importance of this. This is nothing new. This is recapturing what God has always done and the church fumbled. The church needs to take the ball back. We all need to take the ball back. Pray with me. God, thank you for not just being a, a, a computer inputter, <laughs> not just giving us data and expecting us to process it, but thank you that you are a God of beauty and sense, uh, sensitivity, that you are a God of warmth and of love, that you are a God that engages our hearts as well as the left side of our brains. Lord, help us to be like you, to follow in the footsteps of Christ and to engage others at a heart level as well as a brain level. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Would you please stand? Before you go this morning, let me remind you, we've got a team of folks who will be praying down here on the right side of the room. They would love to pray with you this morning. If you have any need at all that you'd like to pray about, but especially if you've never realized this great artwork of God that he spoke in the incarnation, if you don't know Jesus Christ personally this morning, if you'll come and pray before you leave, you can leave knowing him. And now let's consider the challenge Joel gave us and leave with these words, as St. Francis said, go and preach Jesus. If necessary, use words. Amen.